0: parenthood is a time of so much change for you and your baby a little reliable information can go a long way towards making this new life a good life i'm jessica rolf and this is my new life a love every podcast Giving birth is one experience in your life that you will never forget. There are so many emotions in the mix, both leading up to the birth and on display during the birth. I remember feeling a sense of awe at how my body was changing and the life evolving inside me. My husband and I were excited and nervous. So many questions arose. I met today's guest last year, She was in the process of publishing her book, Bumpin', The Modern Guide to Pregnancy, which she wrote while she was pregnant with her first baby. Leslie Schrock does not consider herself a pregnancy guru, but instead a curious person who found trustworthy resources for pregnant women in short supply. She talked to all varieties of experts in writing her book, and I'm thrilled that she's sharing some of that expertise with us today. Hello, Leslie I knew you before you launched your book and I can't wait to hear a little bit more about like what did inspire you to write this book about pregnancy?
1: Yeah, you know, I always kind of thought I would write a book But I kind of assumed it would be fiction, actually, because I'm a lifelong reader. But truly, my own personal experience inspired the writing of this book. So, when I decided to get pregnant, I was 35. I had spent, you know, I've been in health and tech for about a decade now. And I thought to myself, oh, well, this is going to be easy. I'll just get pregnant and that'll be that. And things will be smooth. And yeah, because, you know, I'm a healthy person, I, you know, thought I knew what I was getting into. And turns out, I just really didn't. So I had a miscarriage around five, six weeks. That was the first pregnancy. The second pregnancy, we had a fatal chromosomal abnormality that we found out about and the baby wasn't growing and we knew that it was going to end on its own, but it was still technically a termination, which was one of the most I can't even describe what it was like going through that. Having to terminate a a wanted pregnancy because it was going to end on its own in a few weeks was just something I didn't even know was a thing. And so really, it was that second pregnancy that inspired me to start learning and learning everything I could about all of it and realizing that a lot of the literature and a lot of the conversations we have about pregnancy don't really reflect the needs of diverse working families. They're written kind of in this binary way.
0: You learned how to be your own medical and birth advocate through this process. Tell me about this advocacy and this importance of being your own medical and birth advocate. So this
1: was something that I had to grow comfortable with because I don't think it's the most intuitive thing to go into your doctor's office and... I wouldn't say push back, but really make sure that you understand exactly what's going on. So I think there's a stat, it's something like 80% of what your doctor tells you, you forget immediately after you leave the doctor's office. And I knew that from my work in health, uh, my longtime work in health, but I was surprised when it started happening to me. And I had to make sure that my husband and I were taking notes when we would go to appointments, if it was anything important. But really, it started small. You know, when things started to not go so well for us, I realized I didn't understand why things weren't going well. And I had to ask my doctor, like, why did I have this miscarriage? how did this chromosomal abnormality happen? I had, you know, conversations with the genetic counselor about, you know, could this technology possibly be wrong? Because I can't believe this would happen to me, you know, an otherwise healthy 35 year old. And so really it started small, asking questions and appointments, making sure that I understood the decisions that were being made. This was really useful during birth. So you know, I had a doula team that worked with us both before birth, they taught our birth class, they were with us through, you know, those hours at home, trying to figure out when to go to the hospital, because uh, as anyone who's given birth before knows, a lot of people end up having to go home, they're sent home by the hospital because it's just too soon. And so... You that know, happened had...
0: with my third. Oh. <laughs> How embarrassing. You know what? <laughs> I... I She was 10 days late and I just, I kept, you know, I was like, it's it's happening. It's going to happen right now. And it's just like, and then it was so, it is kind of, it's a little, I don't know the feeling when you go to the hospital and you feel like you're gearing up and this is the moment and then it's not. It's hard. But see, you were
1: on your third time and it still wasn't, it wasn't like a perfect, you know, you had to go home. It's, I think that that's such a great lesson for birth is that you can do all of the preparation in the world that you want. But sometimes it just doesn't go exactly the way that you, that you want it to or that you plan. It's not an event that can be totally controlled. But, you know, really, I think birth is a great time. You know, this is why I'm a real advocate of learning to have these conversations with your physician and other medical professionals far before birth. Um, Because when you're in the throes of birth, there's a lot happening. You're not exactly yourself. But I think that's another reason that it's so powerful to, you know, work with a doula. Um, you know, for actual medical care, you're going to have either an OB or a midwife. Midwives are not in every state.
0: So break this down for me. I've I've always wanted to know what is the true difference or the technical difference between a doula and a midwife? And why could you have both? Would you want to have one or the other? How does this work?
1: Yeah. So think of a doula as a supporter, a cheerleader, Who's there for you from the waist up? So they are not there to perform medical procedures, although some do do perineal massage and apply perineal heating pads, which helps with tearing. It's a very fascinating. I think we're going to talk about the pelvic floor, so I'll save it. But their job is not to make medical decisions for you. Doulas are there to emotionally support you. They are your coach during birth. They provide education before birth. They do check-ins after birth. They can help with breastfeeding. But really, you should think of them as an emotional supporter. Midwives, on the other hand, are most of the time, they're trained nurses. So they are there specifically for birth. And they are there as medical professionals, Many can prescribe medications, but they're going to be the medical side of the house. So that's really the big difference is that doulas cannot prescribe medication. Most are not trained medical professionals, but they are invaluable advocates for you. Um, They will help you understand what's coming, when to go to the hospital, um, what's going to happen at each step, our doulas knew exactly what the doctors were going to do before they came back in the room um, during my birth, which really helped us make decisions. And it also made me feel really confident in asking, like, why are we continuing <laughs> to labor right now when you know there's been no progress? You know, what can we do? So, you know, I think even though I was, you know, I had a very complicated birth personally, you know, it was so incredible to have them there.
0: I always associate, I guess, these words doula and midwife with a natural birth. And I know natural birth is kind of a loaded description because it can mean everything from a vaginal birth to a unmedicated vaginal birth. Can you tell me about where the doula and midwife fit? Do you have to be an intentionally having a natural birth in order to incorporate, you know, a doula and midwife or yeah. midwife?
1: Well, you touched on something that, you know, i I felt personally very strongly about when I was writing the book and also just, you know, as someone who had birth kind of go sideways is that, To me, natural birth just means there was a baby that you birthed from your body, whether it was through your belly or through your vagina, one of the two. But, you know, this whole idea that there is somehow unnatural birth, I think brings a lot of shame on people who don't have birth go precisely the way that they want. So, the way that I like to talk about it is, you know, vaginal birth versus C sections. And then you can have an unmedicated vaginal birth or you can have a medicated vaginal birth and really that decision is yours to make. You know, there are definitely positives to waiting on an epidural. There's lots of research that shows labor can go longer if you get an epidural. However, as someone who was in unmedicated labor for a long time, my whole birth experience was 65 hours and I was unmedicated for a big chunk of it and then finally just, you know, nothing was happening so I had to to get a break. I've never had pain relief that I mean, it was like amazing. I'm thinking about it right now. And just like, I can't even believe how it worked. So... I think it's if that's your goal, it's a wonderful goal to have an unmedicated vaginal birth. But I think, you know, having any sense of shame about getting medication, there are lots of people who have, you know, pre-existing conditions, emotional or mental health conditions, where it's actually much better for them to be medicated. So I think we've got to get away from kind of the judgmental language around this. But doulas are appropriate actually for both medicated and unmedicated birth. They do teach you many methods that help with unmedicated births. So they'll teach you massage. They teach your partner or your birth supporter how to be involved in birth. You know, and then with midwives, like They're really appropriate for any kind of birth as well. You know, they're also probably more geared toward unmedicated births, but they're also great when, you know, they also birth plenty of babies with with moms who who get epidurals. And I would say, you know, the only situation if you know that you have a pre-planned C-section, you probably don't need a doula. Although having a doula around in the hours after birth can be quite useful, um, especially if your hospital doesn't have lactation consultants. They can be very helpful with breastfeeding. Many of them are trained uh, lactation consultants as well.
0: And so would you ever have a midwife and a doctor both?
1: I had a midwife and a doctor at my birth. So because of my kind of, you know, history... Having somewhat complicated pregnancies and having three of them, I unfortunately couldn't see a midwife for my care right out of the gate. My doctor actually released me into the midwifery program at about 32 weeks. She was like, Your pregnancy is boring. Like, you can go see the midwives now. You know, but when there's any threat, like if you have technically a high risk pregnancy, most of the time you need to at least start your care with an obstetrician. But if you have a low risk pregnancy, there is no reason in the world you should not get your your prenatal care from a midwife. One of the things that I loved about my midwife appointments was that, you know, we were a little more focused on my emotional well-being. Um, The appointments were a bit longer than they typically were with an obstetrician. So I think you know midwifery is a practice that I am so thrilled to see uh, become more, you know popularized again because I think that birth outcomes are better. It is appropriate for many women who do not have high risk pregnancies. Uh, and everyone kind of leaves the birth experience feeling a little more positive generally. There's a lot of really promising, really uh, great research that shows that adding midwives back to prenatal care is a win for everybody.
0: And so let's talk about this kind of setting an intention for a birth. How do you think about like truly like the preparation process? How does one make a decision whether to have an epidural or not? Whether they want to have that intention, right? Knowing that things might change in the moment. And then also kind of how do you get a support system and what kind of preparation do you need if you want to, you know, plan for an unmedicated birth?
1: Yeah. So this is, again, I think where just becoming a student of birth and really understanding all of the different stages of birth, you know, there are different stages of labor, you know, the weeks leading up to birth, things you can do to prepare. There are a lot of different ideologies when it comes to, you know, preparing your body for an unmedicated birth. This is, again, I think why doulas are so powerful is because they can teach you, you and your partner or birth supporter, how to do things like massage, you know, acupressure points. And then I think there are also lots and lots of great frameworks for, you know, preparing mentally, which I think is the the real thing to do you got the bradley method, you have lamaze, you have hypnobirthing, meditation, and what you choose is really specific to you. There is no one right way to give birth and there is no one right way to prepare your mind for dealing with, you know, what can be pretty intense labor pain. So, for me the way I, that I like to think about it is, you know, birth preferences. So, I think the word plan can be pretty dangerous for people because if it doesn't go according to plan as anyone will tell you who's given birth, like something inevitably will not go exactly the way you thought it would. You know, it can be really, really hard afterward. You know, I had a birth where everything possible could have, you know, I ended up with a C-section. I wanted an unmedicated vaginal birth, but you know, guess what? My son got stuck because he was giant and I am not particularly giant. All kinds of other things, you know, happened during my birth that that were not planned. And so I really like to think of it as birth preferences. And so actually like I created a template for for people to use as part of, you know, supplemental materials for my book, because I get this question a lot, like, well, what goes in birth preferences? And the answer is It can kind of be whatever you want. So there are very basic things to understand, like whether or not, you know, what are the pros and cons to epidurals? Do you want that or not? You know, and that can be as simple as like, do you go into the hospital and just not sign the paperwork, you know, and and sign it later if you want it? Or do you just say, absolutely, no, I'm not going to get it. But also, you know, what do you want to happen with your baby right after birth? And for most hospitals these days, you know, you get immediate skin-to-skin time, you know, rooming in is more and more common, but all of these things, you know, are kind of the the standard issue, you know, quote-unquote birth preferences. But I'll tell you like the other thing I think people miss out on a lot is that you can really have some fun with your birth preferences. You know, you can have a labor playlist. I had music going the entire time I labored all 12 hours. I was unmedicated. I had like a really crazy playlist going and it really kept me going. We actually took our speaker. We had a little portable speaker, which was totally okay with our hospital. And we actually took it into the C-section. And so I was listening to music the entire time when my son was born and, you know, I think he still recognizes that playlist sometimes. It's really interesting to, to kind of watch him when I put on the songs that were on when he was born. So, you know, aromatherapy, I think, is another really great way to make birth feel a little more like home. Because let's be honest, you know, hospitals can often feel very cold. They don't always feel like home. You know, if you can labor at home for as long as you can, that's always the best thing to do, um, especially since they'll send you home if you're not dilated enough. But I think we've got to, you know, feel more free to bring ourselves into that hospital room, both, you know, during labor and during birth, and then also in the postpartum period.
0: What insights do you have for pregnant women who are like not have the fear of the birth? I think that for me, I really tried to work on that, but there was a piece of me that was just really worried about it. Like it's such a big deal. And how is this going to go? And just can you give me some tips for mindfulness tips or like what tools do you recommend for feeling positive going into that moment?
1: Well, when it was getting close to birth for me, so I was writing a book as I was pregnant. My book was written in real time, page by page. Every moment that I went through was reflected in those pages, but also, you know, lots and lots of information and questions from forums and people I knew. And I interviewed, you know, over 20 different people for the book who all contributed across all kinds of different practices. But really, I found that the most helpful thing for me was Learning about how birth actually worked. So, what are all the phases my body is going to go through physiologically? What happens? You know, where is the baby? What does labor pain feel like? There are all of these things that we don't really talk about, you know, that are so mysterious. And then I think we, unfortunately, you know, largely because of social media, um, have a kind of culture of reading about really gnarly births and thinking that those are, that's the way it works. You know, thinking the births where a lot of stuff is not textbook is how it's going to happen for you. Um, because think about it, you're not, people aren't going to write about their totally vanilla textbook births. It's like, yeah, I had a baby, like things went well for me. Those are not the stories we hear in the media. Those are not the stories that are posted on social media. It's always the really uh, intense, intense births that we read about. So my advice would be, Number one, learn about birth, read about it, read about what happens at each phase, read about what labor pain feels like, you know, TLDR, it's kind of like really intense uh, menstrual cramps for most people and can be lower back pain. But there are different kinds of pain as it relates to birth, you know, and then also, you know, just like, Maybe don't go into every single forum and read every single birth uh, and what goes wrong. Um, really understand that your birth is going to be your birth. It's not going to be like anyone else's. And the best thing you can do is prepare your mind, prepare your body, You know, prepare your, your partner or birth supporter to be there for you. The emotional support that you will get during birth is really important, whether it comes from a doula or your friend or your partner. you know, Those are the ways I think that are really productive. And then just be willing to forgive yourself if all does not go the way that you would like. Because, you know, as we said before, not everything is going to be perfect. There is no such thing as a perfect birth.
0: How did you involve your partner in the birth? And what kind of advice do you have to best involve the birth support person?
1: So we got a doula team, mostly because I had heard from friends that having a doula at birth, yes, is for the birth parent. But in some cases, can be even more so for the partner. So, you know, in our case, uh, we took you know birth classes with our doula. Uh, My husband learned how to you know apply pressure to acupressure points. He learned how to do massage. But really, I think the thing that was most helpful is just walking us through what happens in a normal labor. And so he was kind of empowered. Like my husband's biggest fear is like just not knowing what to do, like standing by and just being helpless. And like, you know, and when you watch your partner in pain, which, you know, for many people, it it is pretty painful. He wanted to know like what he could do to help. And so the doula was there for him to say like, now maybe you can try this. Now maybe you can try that. I think Bradley method and and some others, you know, don't necessarily involve a doula, and they can actually help you really. You know, your partner in many ways becomes, uh, you know, fully in that role. So I think it's really teaching your partner, you know, kind of here's some some things that we know work, making that person feel empowered, and then also like accepting help. I think this is another. Area where you know it's really useful to learn it while you're pregnant because when you become a parent, when that baby shows up, uh, learning how to accept help is so important. You cannot do it all yourself.
0: You have a, a real interest in pelvic floor support, pelvic floor help. Tell us about that. What is going on with the pelvic floor during pregnancy and birth, and what can we do to make sure that it's healthy afterwards? And I'll just be like really real here. Like I'm talking about. I think what I'm talking about is is like bleaking pee that I have sometimes (laughs) when I'm on a trampoline or, you know, like Kegels and and the whole thing we want to hear.
1: Well, so, you know, while researching this book, there were a few things I just couldn't unsee. And the fact that over half of women experience pelvic floor dysfunction at some point in their lives was one of the most shocking things that I learned. And, you know, as I've promoted the book and been talking to a lot of people, I realized that most people don't even really know what the pelvic floor is. They kind of think they know, but they don't necessarily know. So let's let's talk about what pelvic floor dysfunction I, is first.
0: Exactly. I'm like, let's define this. Like, yes. is this is this my leaky... Is that me in, in layman's terms, leaking pee?
1: It's leaky pee. <laughs> Some, yes, it's, it's incontinence. Um, post-birth incontinence is very, very common. Even if you don't have long-term pelvic floor dysfunction, most people are leaky for like the first six weeks. It's just a thing. Everything has... You know, you've been carrying a bowling ball on your abdomen. Um, You've been putting all this pressure on your pelvic floor. So what is the pelvic floor? The pelvic floor is the, think of it as a sling holding up your uterus, your bladder, and your internal organs. And so, you know, we know pelvic floor dysfunction, which is mostly incontinence or pelvic organ prolapse, happens in over half of women. But it turns out there's actually a lot of work you can do both while you're pregnant and also afterwards. If you handle this in the six months postpartum, your outcomes are improved quite a lot. So everyone knows about Kegels. Everyone kind of thinks they know how to do Kegels. Jess, what do you think Kegels are?
0: I mean, it's when you like squeeze that part inside you and it's supposed to build the muscle. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if I do
1: it right. Yeah. See, but you know what? Like, so it turns out over a third of women do not do them properly without instruction. Um, If you're doing a Kegel and you feel your butt squeeze, you're not doing it right. That's probably the easiest test. So, you know, you can think of it as kind of, you know, Uh, Some people think of it as like pulling a tampon into your body. There are lots of different frameworks for it. But Kegels are not always the right movement for every, every body. Just like every pregnancy is different, every pelvic floor is different. So one of the things I really encourage pregnant women to do is to go see a pelvic floor specialist, a pelvic floor PT. You can actually do this via telemedicine if it's, you know, hard to access someone locally. You can also go see someone and they can actually, you know, perform a test and see kind of what's going on down there before birth and after birth. So, I started working with a pelvic floor PT in the third trimester. I learned a bunch of really great ways to strengthen. You know, I'd been doing Kegels because I knew it was a thing. But I didn't understand there's like a whole network of muscles that works together to you know, really support the, the pelvic floor. So like your transverse abdominis is important. And these exercises are not rocket science. I actually have um, a whole chapter in my book about this because um, I realized that most people don't know <clears throat> what the pelvic floor is. Most people don't understand, you know, everything's connected and then everyone thinks Kegels are just the right way. So there are actually a whole host of other exercises. Um, I have a bunch in my book. I actually have some on my website too, uh, if people want to just get a taste of that.
0: Leslie, thank you. This has been so wonderful talking to you. Thank you. We have to do this again. (laughs) Thanks so much for being with us. For help finding pre- and postnatal care, visit Leslie's website at bumpin.com. There you'll find a link to Maven, a service that provides virtual access to lots of different practitioner types. Other online resources can also be found on her site, Broken Down by Trimester. Takeaway number one, it's wise to release expectations around your birthing experience. Rarely do they go as planned. But do consider setting intentions for what you hope to happen, including who you want to be at your side and ways to work through the pain. Think of it as a birth preference rather than a birthing plan. Takeaway number two, you can think of a doula as a supporter and cheerleader from the waist up. Some do perineal massage that can help with tearing. While a doula is not a medical professional, a midwife is a trained nurse and also offers support. Both can help navigate the medical system and advocate for those elements of your birthing experience that you feel are most important. Takeaway number three, learning about how the birth works, the phases your body will pass through, can help diminish nerves or fears you might have. Make sure your sources are reliable. Forums have a way of focusing on all the ways in which a birth can go sideways. Leslie's book is a great place to start. You've been listening to My New Life. If you think this episode might be helpful to a fellow parent, please share. And if you'd like to learn more about the topics discussed in today's show, head over to loveevery.com. That's L-O-V-E-V-E-R-Y dot com. I'm Jessica Rolf. Thanks for listening.